Hey, all Hector. Uh, before we start the episode, I just wanted to give uh, a couple words. Uh, first of all, this episode was recorded several weeks ago before the tragic events in Laguna Woods. There is a brief mention of a church shooting within the episode that is in the context of explaining a backstory of a song that we chose to leave in, I chose to leave in as part of the larger conversation that was happening around online ministry and tragic events. Um, but we, we do want to, to share that our hearts go out to those who are lost and to those who lost loved ones in this tragedy, as well as those lost in the market in Buffalo in this past week. We condemn these acts of violence. We ask God for a great awakening in our time to end these acts. We commit ourselves to the work of influencing the systems that produce unhealthy rhetoric that spawn horrific acts of inhumanity. One of the things we know about not just these events, but others as well, is that often people are radicalized in, in communities online even, and discipleship is happening in online and in media. It's happening. Part of the work that we're trying to do with Pocket Pulpit um, is to explore Part of the work that we're trying to do with Pocket Pulpit is to show the importance of digital discipleship. The fact is it's happening and we just want to see people discipled, people moved towards truth and wholeness and light and hope and peace and love of Christ, of God to live out in the power of the fruit of the Spirit, um, to be transformed, to not just be like God, but to love like Him, um, to be His lights in the world. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode and know that we understand if uh, even brief mention is enough not to be able to listen. Lord, thankful that you're part of this community. Thankful that you're listening. Thankful that you're part of this work. You're listening to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast with Sarah Kinzer and Hector Martinez, part of the TCD Podcast Network. All right. I am recording. You should know that, though. Uh, I know. It said this meeting is being recorded. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, well... Welcome to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast. The Pocket Pulpit Podcast. Get it. Hey, welcome once again to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast. Uh, you know, we are, we're past another threshold. I, I think in my mind, I keep the threshold at like every five episodes. And mm -hmm. so we're up at 30 now. Uh, we Whoa. had a, our first two-part episode. Uh, which, if you haven't listened to that yet, uh, which I, I, by the time this is released, we're well over thirty, and I guess well over is like three, so we're like on to the next milestone. <laughs> um, but we, we've got our we we just at the time of this recording released our first two part episode, and let me tell you, like it is, I think, um, I think every time I look at that number, I go, man, that that's pretty 
pretty powerful, pretty, pretty astonishing, you know. We're at the better part. We've been doing this almost weekly for the majority of a year now. And so to know that we're like we're we're nearing that year mark uh pretty soon is, is pretty incredible. And so um anyway, I think uh I think I've just been thinking about that a lot this week and, and just especially as we've had some meetings with the Digital Church Network and just kind of looking forward to some things there. Uh, I personally have just been kind of like kind of on the cusp of like, okay, I, I, I see what's, what's kind of within reach. I see what's, what's, you know, within um, kind of the next thing, but, but also knowing that like, it's an accomplishment just to be where we're at. So anyway, Sarah, welcome. <laughs> uh, welcome co-host of the show. I didn't even introduce you this time. So I'm Sarah. Hey, Sarah. And you're Hector. I was thinking that you were going to say the the milestone we'd reached was that we got 100 people following us on Twitter. We did get 100 people following us on Twitter. We're on 105 now or something. We are. Well, we're actually above that. I think we're up to 109 now. Uh, which, again, when you're talking those numbers, like that is like a, a tenth. 10% of our current followers are, you know. Uh, in one day and so anyway uh no that is an accomplishment in itself we started a twitter community as well which isn't very active right now and that's my fault uh but we're we're trying to grow that community as well and so um but that begs what is that what are the at uh the at uh is at pocket underscore pulpit for twitter and uh i don't know I tell you what, I will pin the tweet after we record the show and you can see it. By the time you listen to this, it will be the pinned tweet. And so check out the pinned tweet on our Twitter feed and uh, get in, get involved in the Twitter community. Uh, sometimes we ask questions there that we don't put on the feed. Sometimes we'll have a, a little special insight into guests that are currently on the show before they're uh, revealed. So, And, you know, at the risk of... Um starting this off sounding like a big advertisement. We also, you want to tell them about the Patreon? Yeah, we've launched our Patreon and it's a way for our listeners to support the show. Um, if you've been listening and, and I know you have, cause I see the numbers, uh, <laughs> but if you're listening to the show and you're saying, man, I, I really love the work they're doing and I just want to show some support, uh, head over to patreon.com slash pocket pulpit. Uh, I think that's the, the URL. It is in the show notes. Um, but it's, a, it's just a way for you to support. There, there's no real additional perks as far as exclusive material. Um, but we are hoping. Um, I should reword that, Sarah. There's no exclusive material that isn't going to be on the show as far as, like, conversations go. Uh, that will always be free. Yeah. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I think it's it's hard, you know, because a lot of times with Patreon, you do see some extra benefits for being part of the community. And I think one of the things that we really care about is like these conversations should be out in the open pulpit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the if the pocket pulpit is this idea that like you now have access to a platform we've talked about that so many different ways on the show, then why would we hide things behind a paywall? For yeah. us specifically, there's nothing wrong with it, but anyway, I'll cut that up to make it make sense. I'm so sorry. I, I, uh, if I'm going to show this to the camera, I downed a 16 ounce cup of coffee right before we started the show. Like, 
right before we started the show. And so, fun times. Um, okay. All right. So it, <laughs> it has been, um, at the beginning, we had several conversations that were just you and me. And we, yep. had, we had the Christmas special that was just you and me. And I think we've had one other. That was just you and me. We did. We had like reflections on online ministry was the most recent us conversation. And we, so we have had like looking back conversations. We've had, um, we've had, is it, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Yeah. We talked about, is it worth it? And um, those conversations sort of come out of what, what you and I were talking about behind the scenes, like in the DMs and like what yeah. we were seeing around us. And that those conversations came out of that. And so I think today it's just you and me, which yeah. not just you and me, this is high quality conversation. Absolutely. Um, it is solo Hector and solo Sarah. Um, yeah. Oy vey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is us. And we're what we've been talking about in the the DMs is kind of like, is it possible? Yeah. Uh, is it, you know, we see all the effort and we've seen people pushing back on online ministry and online church and and hearing, you know, well, maybe, maybe it's time to turn that off, or maybe it's yeah. time to like to let that go and um and have. And there are some critiques that are fair and some critiques that I don't feel are fair, but we've just been seeing a lot of pushback and we've seen things to the point of those fair critiques that it's like, wow, you know, yes. we believe that, that the church can do different, but what we're seeing is the church not doing different. Um, yeah. And, and I think back, I remember um, when we had Doug Bursch on the first time, and we talked about his book, Posting Peace. And in that book, it says, any call to change internet culture or to substantially transform the way we communicate online can look as foolish as a handful of children trying to hold back or reroute the Mississippi River. Our best intentions seem like child play in the face of these expansive, angry, divisive, raging social media waters. Yeah. And and we talked with him about, is it possible? And here we are like months and months later. And that's still a question that we're asking. Is it possible? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it? I mean, that that really is the question. Is it possible to see change? Is it possible to see the, the way the way the church was morphed into something different? Outside and really because again we've talked about this on the show, it wasn't the beginning of the digital movement, but it was a catalyst for seeing globally the church kind of move into this together. Um, maybe not moved in, but forced in. And um, I don't know. That's a good question. I think it's one that like when when I really sit down with it, I think I have to ask myself some hard questions. You know, you started off. Uh, saying, you know, is this possible? Are we just wasting our time? Are we running a fool's game, right? Um, 
I think I've I've asked myself several times, especially as I'm building my own role at my church, like, is this going to happen? Is this like I know it's worth it. I know that digital ministry is worth it in theory, right? Like let, let's say in theory. Mm-hmm. But then well then how like how do we measure success? How do we know that what we're doing is going to be something that we won't look back on in, in a year, in two years? in three weeks and say, okay, we put a lot of energy into this thing. And at the end of the day, physical church is actually what we should have been trying to figure out. And we'll have to, you know, me personally, cause I I've done a lot of like physical church isn't the only way. And so I will have to actually look at it and go, I was wrong. Um, that's a lot of self-reflection, but I think ultimately, I think it is possible. Um, I I think it's just going to take some deep digging to do. Uh, I think that there is a lot of hard work ahead. Um, and and the, the, the truth is, is yes, I think Doug's right. Like to move the Mississippi, there's a lot of force behind something already moving and we're trying to like, hey, there's there's a little bit this way. There's a like come this way, um, you know, whether that's reversing or, or rerouting. But but just the idea of there's something here that's worth exploring and worth doing. And gosh, Sarah, I just go back to like, I can't deny what I have seen, what I have seen God do. And so, I don't know. Does that answer your question? I'm rambling. No, yeah. Um, well, I think we're going to be talking about it the whole time. So you don't have to answer it all at once. Um, I think I think we should probably start off by like giving actual like credit to the credible critiques. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, what are we talking about? So we're not just vaguely and, and I don't want to at anybody, you know, yeah. but like I know I can even reference back to when I was when I was pregnant with uh my first my first child frank and with my pregnancies previous to frank i was on a website that had a community of um pregnant women and moms and they could come together and they could talk about what they were experiencing and they could support one another and they could ask questions and get information there was articles and different things like that shared on there and it was a really good community there were, there was one space in that community called Hot Topics. It didn't have anything to do with, with parenting. You could go there and you could discuss any, any subject of the day. Um, and people did. <laughs> and it sort of uh, wasn't the healthiest place all the time. Yeah. And, and eventually it broke down. You would see people get mad. They would fight. They would leave. They would get mad. They would fight. They would leave. And there would be a core group of, there was a core group that was there consistently. And even those people would have breaks within their group and they would leave. Now the, the website that it was a part of has since like, I don't know if they've shut down or majorly revamped, but, um, there was a point in time that, um, the, the group of women that I was pregnant at the same time with, we were in one chat board thing. 
went to a different website and set up a community group there and stayed connected through that just to just to separate ourselves from that um from the climate of that 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 uh page was developing yeah um and and there have been ebbs and flows in our um and how involved in those conversations we are currently as our kids are now reaching teenagers like we've started talking a little bit more than we had in the past couple of years um because being a parent of a teenager is a brand new thing to me anyway yeah, um, yeah. and it has a lot of questions involved but anyway i wa- i have watched communities before the communities i'm involved in now go through kind of rise and falls and ebbs and flows and and who's on the ins and who's on the outs. And um, it's not a new concept that is post COVID and post Trump and post all these things that we are saying, this is divisive. It is, it is the nature, there is a nature to this method of engagement that allows for um, quick detachment in relationships in ways that you can't detach when you are going to end up in the grocery store with this person. You are going to end up at the school function with that person. You're going to end up in the pew next to the person that you have a disagreement with. Yeah. And, and so you can just, you can just block them and move on with your life. And sometimes it's, um, it might be healthier to be able to draw that kind of hard boundary, but also it allows us to draw that kind of hard boundary frequently and to be very um to be very free with cutting people out of our lives and it it also i was listening to an episode of the holy post podcast this week and they talked about how um we are we have been trained to fight over trivial things um if there's nothing big to fight about we're gonna go find something to fight about yeah and and you know, you and I have seen people fight about big things and we have seen people fight about small things and seeing those small things fight go on for days. And even past a week, people are still fighting about what in at the end of the day is, is trivial and doesn't, you know, a person might say something and express themselves in a way that um, may be appropriate in one setting, but is not appropriate from their pulpit, which is their social media platform. when When the social media platform isn't given the respect of, of what it actually is, and that language or the language is chosen is flippant. Um, or not intentionally flippant, but feels and reads dismissive. Yeah. And the response may be defensive because, well, that wasn't what I was intending to say. And by the time you say it wasn't what I was intending to say, 10 people have told you, yes, it was, and you hurt my feelings. And then it just, yeah. And it doesn't, and, and with, with 15 seconds, it took you to tweet you you can have hurt multiple people and created a week of a nightmare for yourself. Yeah. Um 
this is this is a real critique and you know the church is supposed to be different but you know when you get online evidence would show that um the way the church behaves online is not different than the way that that group of that mother's group behaved 15 years ago which was a it was not a christian site it was just a group of moms Um, and so they behave in the same manner and um we see people bickering online and we might say well they don't know the lord but we do and we are acting the same way yeah so i think i think if we spent an hour 45 minutes an hour talking and at the end we're like so guys shockingly enough hector and sarah believe it is possible yeah. I think <laughs> I think that people assume. I I would hope that by now they believe or they understand that we think it's possible. Yeah. And so maybe maybe we should talk about like um in those moments um how can we say I believe it's possible and so I am going to act like it's possible and yeah. I'm going to think differently to make it possible. Yeah. Um do you have thought on how yeah yeah absolutely well okay so um i recently in the last couple i mean it's been a long process long drawn out process but i i transitioned my role um and if you're listening to our friends better on the inside john pie over there uh there's a great episode about transitioning that that um but the inside joke is that in the church world, when you talk about transitioning, you talk about getting fired. Uh, but I was, I, I personally, uh, in like on my own accord, transitioned into more of a, a media role, um, discipleship role, online streaming role. And so eventually I was just kind of, I mean, Sarah, you and I talked about this for months of like, what, what do I call this role? <clears throat> and, and we, with your help, I settled on its digital discipleship. It is the digital discipleship pastor. And there's three parts to that. It is digital. It's not all in person. Um, It is discipleship. It is taking people on a journey of growing in what it means to, to become something. And then it's pastoring where it's meeting people where they're at and shepherding them. But not just in let me meet you where you're at, but it is this idea of let me shepherd you towards someone. Let me shepherd you um, in the truth. And 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 I, I have benefited so much from, from online pastors this last month and, and really this last year. But I say all that to say that like I I see that it's not just about the church being online. It's not just about the church putting their content online. And we've said this many times in the show. The stuff that I'm sharing is not new. It's not even about the church engaging online, but it is always about the how and the why. It's not just the what of of being online and doing online ministry. It's about how and why. Um, there is a discipleship problem. And, and if you've paid attention to any of the church conversations, discipleship has been at the forefront of the conversations for a long time. Whether you want to take the political route, whether you want to take the route of um, 
any number of social justice issues, discipleship is always somewhere in the front of the conversation. And so I think personally, when we talk about online church, online ministry, digital church, digital ministry, whatever iteration you want to talk about, there is some aspect of discipleship that has to be included in that conversation. That our, our people and our churches and our institutions and our everything that we are involved in has to be not just informed of what digital means, but then taught and walked through this is how we engage well because you can engage poorly as we just talked about there's a lot of poor engagement um just having a conversation as a church media presence online isn't enough it's what do you do with those conversations i tweeted yesterday something from a training that i'm building is return on investment because I think this is also a big conversation in the online, like is online ministry worth it is what's the return? What's the net gain? And the truth is, is it's the one person. One person is given hope and life and introduced to Jesus or reintroduced to Jesus or reminded that God has not left them. Then it's enough. But we're never going to get to that conversation if we can't ever get to relationship and if if we are the ones in the way. Um, so all of that to say that I, I think there's a discipleship problem. Not, okay, yes, problem. Let's just be frank and honest because we like to dance around it. We like to say it's not a problem. We'll just make it better. But the truth be told, the church has been trying to make discipleship better for years. Like this is a conversation when I was in high school and that's 10 years ago now, you know? And so discipleship rightly so should be a conversation. It is an ongoing conversation, but at some point we have to say in the umbrella of discipleship in the church, is there something that's happening that's causing some of this to happen now? Uh, go ahead. I was going to say that I was just having a conversation yesterday with um, with Paul, uh, Sketchy Sermons. Yeah, Paul Mignard. About, yeah, um, about discipleship and about how this this hard turn we took on focusing on things like the sinner's prayer and getting people to pray this prayer and um, a, a baptism that is about is is most heavily about the person's announcement and not the welcoming into community. Mm. Um, and, and so the entrance into faith that we are giving people is highly individualistic and um, the privatization of our faith, you know, like it's, our culture is very much um, like you're, you're fine. Like believe what you want to believe. Just, you know, don't push it on me, keep it to yourself. And so, and we interact that way within our churches. Like yes. we're all sitting here all next to each other and it's fine for you to believe whatever you believe. We're just not going to engage with one another. And so I, I think that Jesus discipled in community. It was more often that he was leading and speaking into 
um, he was healing individually. He was teaching groups yeah. and, and he would teach one-on-one, but often it was the group of disciples he was speaking to. It was the group of Pharisees. It was the groups gathered. It was, um, you know, even when he healed, there was times that he healed, um, like the, the number of lepers that he healed all at once and only one said, thank you. Um, and, and so like he, he per- performed miracles in groups, healing individually, but also in front of people healing, um, individually, the guy on the mat, but that, that guy was in front of a group and brought to Jesus by a group. Yes. And so when we, when we say, to people, well, we are um, made for community. You know, the triune God made us an image. So we have this, this nature that wants to be communal. Um, God wanted to be with us and we are in his image. And so we want to be with. Um, and so we have this draw to community, but then we present a Christianity that is highly individualistic. He seeks out the one, which he does. It's not untrue. He pursues you. He does. That's not untrue. Um, but, but like, he doesn't pursue, like God doesn't leave the 99 to pursue the one to go walk off with the one forever. He pursues the one to bring them back into community. Yes. And so, um, and so abandoning or shifting so hard, matching the cultural narrative um, that was very prevalent when I grew up that the individual is this special, you know, we like the special unique snowflake business. We're all unicorns. We're all going to grow up to be unicorns if that's what we want to be. Um, highly individualistic um, social narrative that the church matched. And, and packaged Christianity as a individual. It's your about your individual relationship. And yeah. it, it is also about your corporate or communal relationship with, with God and with others. Yeah. And the other thing that, um, as we did that, the other thing that disappeared from the church, um, not all, not completely, because I know there are still churches that practice it regularly, but the practice of confession mm. or... Um, and, and I don't just mean like confession that you think of when you think of the Catholic church in a little booth, but I mean, when I grew up in the church there, um, there, we would get a, not an order of service, a little pamphlet. What is that thing called? A little pamphlet. The, like the liturgy of the day, the liturgy sort of, sort of. <laughs> I, I'm out of, I'm, I, I don't come from liturgical services, so I'm. But, well, but just kind of the order of service, right? Like, yes. If you were a kid, you would have gotten one with pictures and a word search. If you were a grown up, you got one that didn't have pictures or a word search. A bulletin? Would, a bulletin. That's yeah, the yeah, yeah, there we go. We're, right. yeah. we're trying to go fancy. and we're, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bulletin. You get the bulletin. And in the middle of the bulletin, it was the prayer, this confessional prayer that we would pray together. And I know that. Um, and so that was a mainstream denomination. It was not a liturgical church, but my senior year of high school, I started attending um, a church, which is now Anglican, but they had that in their liturgy, this confession that they put together and being in the habit of not just confessing, but confessing corporately to say we are together. And we are saying that we as a people have failed 
Yes. Like, Father, forgive us and teach us a new way. Show yep. us a new way. And we are committing individually and as a group. Yeah. One person saying this and all of us together. Yeah. We are sorry and we will do better. Help us. Help us. Yeah. Well, and it, it turned confession from a, um, it, it, that form of confession is less so about guilt and more so, which don't get me wrong. There's still like this idea of guilt involved, but it's, it's more so of acknowledgement yeah. rather than uh, what's the word like, it's, it's, it's less about like conviction versus condemnation. Condemnation is is the yes, that's the word I was looking for. And it's very much is this like, Lord, we acknowledge this together. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, yeah, I I think that is true. So okay, so uh, I've been thinking about this thought kind of throughout just trying to think about online ministry and the people that I interact with and the majority of the people that I interact with are are actually people that are outside of the church. That that have left the church or are are wrestling with their faith or uh, because of their health and because of circumstances are wrestling with how to be part of the church physically. And a lot of them also have church hurt uh, and, and very traumatic experiences as well. And so the the reason I I say this is because I think as we talk about confession, we have to be honest that we're in a place where together as a community, we have gone through a traumatic event. And if we don't acknowledge that, if we don't confess that and say, Lord, we are acting, responding, sometimes out of this trauma, sometimes out of this hurt, and it's causing us to respond in ways that maybe many of us, as we said at the beginning, that like maybe doesn't represent who we want to be, does not represent who you have called us, not just called us, but enabled us to be. And if we don't acknowledge that there are hurts, pains, wounds, sometimes self-inflicted by the church, then we can't get to those conversations and to that lifestyle of, well, then what does it look like to be healthy? And I don't use that term healthy as like uh, the way, like we should be something other, but it is how do we acknowledge, be aware of those hurts, pains, longings, and then within that together as a community work towards what it means to thrive together in the life that Jesus offers us. And I know there's a lot there, but, but I've really been trying to figure out like, I think even in my own life, there are, are, are things that have caused me to respond online. Like, I, I, let's be honest, like, there are things that have caused me to respond in a way that is out of hurt, out of tension, out of, hey, someone threw the flash bomb in here and it hurt me. And now the only thing I know how to do is swing to try and get out. Um but maybe all I needed to do was just grab somebody by the arm and say, Hey, can you help walk me out of here? Mm-hmm. You know? And um, so that's where my brain goes is like, man, if we don't acknowledge some of the things and, and why I go there is also because 
when we're talking about digital church, when we're talking about online ministry, when we're talking about approaches to online ministry, and is it possible to see this work, is that if we don't acknowledge that that's the community that often we're dealing with uh, uh, around uh, rubbing shoulders against, then we're going to approach it in the same ways that caused people to be in, in this space initially. If we don't acknowledge that we went through a pandemic, which that is like a very easy, like reachable, attainable thing to find commonality in, we went through a pandemic. But if we don't acknowledge that, it causes us to approach relationship, ministry, engagement in a way that isn't healthy. Does that, does that all make sense? Mm-hmm. Here are some thoughts that I've been having about... We're in these situations, we're watching things fall apart and we're watching it. We don't want to get overwhelmed by how bad it looks like the church is engaging online. Um, so what to do? Um, when, um, here's, here's my suggestion. <laughs> one thing, one thing we can do, um, there's a couple things. So I, okay. Hector, when you were a very, very small little boy, there was this show called The Hills. And um, yeah, you're shaking your head no, because you don't because you're a very small little boy and you should not have been watching the hills. Oh. But um, and then it and then they grew up, it was the hills, and then there was like the spin-off. Anyway, there was a couple on that show called Spencer and Heidi. Now, Spencer and Heidi, I think their non-disclosure thing ran out, and now they're like, let me tell you why they made us look like the villains and how crazy they made us look, but we weren't crazy and we weren't the villains. They just, you know, altered or whatever. Um, however, they um, were painted so villainous and people were saying, why, like, why are we paying attention to these unhealthy people? Again, I don't know them. They could be lovely people. Um but they were painted to be villains. They were definitely, they appeared to be villains. And, and so all of us with our heavy side bangs would sit around in our living rooms, watching the Hills and talking about, why are we still talking about Spencer and Heidi? We just need to cut them off. And at some point I haven't seen hardly anything like this. Like that's what happened. They stopped getting reported on and people stopped paying attention to them and they disappeared they went from being the top story to being buried news. And, and that probably wasn't the, like that whole experience probably was very unhealthy for them. But we decided as, as a society, we are no longer going to have this be the top thing. And we stopped. And so it is possible. There are people that I see other people platforming and that they disagree with that I literally have no clue who these dudes are. Yeah. No. And some of them are ladies. These people are, I have no clue who they are. They are only as loud as the microphone we hold up to them. Come on. And so if they are being unworthy of a microphone, just pull their little toggle down turn them down, turn down the volume on them. Don't turn it up. And, and we talk about this and I, and I see this idea put out there. Well, we should stop retweeting 
these guys. We should stop adding these guys. We should stop and people. We should stop um, talking about these people. We have to move from the we should to the we don't. We don't platform these people. We don't. We don't um, elevate their voices. Just don't do it. And then we have to turn the microphone up on people who are saying worthwhile things. Not, Not we shouldn't listen to them. We should listen to these people. Just we don't listen to them. We listen to these people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Spend spend less time. Um, if if you see someone and you're like, this is the biblical definition of a false teacher, a false prophet. Like those guys, the the stories in the Bible that are like these were the false prophets, barely ever get names, and the stories don't go well. Yeah. So let's stop naming them and let God deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the idea of like, just shake, shake the dust from your feet, like leave them behind, like every part behind, right? This, that's the idea that, that Jesus is he's sending his disciples out. Like if you don't find someone of peace in a, in a, a town, shake the dust from your feet and move on. Yes. Like, like when, so our church, John 10, 10 is kind of our, our verse that we hold on to that the enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy. And that Jesus has come as he speaks. He says, I have come to give life and life abundantly. I have come to give the overflowing life. And so if we look at that just in isolation, which obviously we don't ever just want to do, but, but you look at that phrasing that the enemy has come to still kill and destroy. I have come to give life. Therefore, I am not about stealing, killing, destroying, stealing joy, destroying life, wrecking any sort of peace. Like, what is the things that we find about life? Peace and hope and joy and, and, and thriving. And if there's anything coming up against that, we should have an honest conversation if it's not the work of the enemy. And... And to have nothing to do with it and to shake the dust from our feet and to move on. Because unknowingly, we may be stacking wood on the work of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And stacking wood on burning coals does nothing but cause bigger fires. And so, as you're saying, you know, just to 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 let those conversations die out and to 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 shake the dust from our feet and to move on to where there is life. That's the thing. When I, I believe is Jesus is saying, hey, if you can't find the person of peace in that town, if you can't find someone who will continue to host you and to, to allow you to thrive, to do the work of ministry, shake the dust from your feet, move on to somewhere that will. And it's kind of the idea um, with Holly that we, we just talked about, like, hey, I'm not going to put all my energy into to something, someone, something that does not believe the good things that are there that I can see that I'm called to, that that is what I am moving towards, or at least that I claim to. I will put my time, energies, talents, resources into that and to bringing people to that mm-hmm. thing that is thriving, that is life, that is fruit of the spirit. I think that has to be our approach in online ministry. Like if if we, I agree with you, Sarah, if we really want to see effective, fruitful ministry in the digital spaces, 
It's going to take a different approach and it's going to take like, do the work. It's hard. It is a loud, like there are loudspeakers in every single direction, but do the work to, to shut them off and don't put loudspeakers in people's hands, especially if they don't have one. You know? So, so the, the, the other, the flip side of that is there are things that it is, it is right to put a light on. Absolutely. There are things, and there are people who um, God has called to shine a light in a dark place. Um, the, the chaos comes when we don't understand that our spotlight isn't for every, isn't for, that as we are trying to shine a light on, on something in a dark place and call out what should be called out, mm-hmm. we should say that shouldn't be in our church. Um, when we all start screaming at once, it is, it can be chaotic and less effective than amplifying one strong call out. Yeah. So, um, um, and I, I'm talking more about the, the major, the major people who have major, I mean, we see, um, there've been story after story after story of, um, sexual impropriety in, in churches with pastors and, and leaders who have had massive amounts of control over people. And that should be brought to light and that should be addressed. Um, we should also understand that in community with one another, like, um, it is better that we pull a person one to the side and say, Hey, um, what you said upset me, what you said hurt my feelings. Because likely the, the most of the people we interact with online are not running massive ministries with massive amounts of control over people. And so if they say something that hurts, hurts you, or they say something out of pocket, um, or they say something that, that um, you feel is reflective of a, that shows something in them that needs to be addressed people are less likely to respond and change when you when you scream at them yeah, when you yeah. bullhorn when you shine a light directly in their face if you approach every single person like they are a criminal they are they are not going to change yeah um i didn't come to jesus because someone spotlighted like what a piece of trash I was. Yep. I came to Jesus because Jesus gave me peace and hope. And I already knew where I was wrong. I, mm. I already knew my failings. Um, you know, the devil had been convincing me of my failings for a long time. Um, most of the people that you're going to interact with, like it's, it's not right to to approach to approach him with a bazooka 
when you could approach them with a with an open hand. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that that yeah the. It is the the. It's kind of the the what is it catch twenty two of social media is like we know that we like social media gives it levels the playing field and gives everyone platform, but but we have to be honest about how big that platform is before we go screaming and trying to burn down things you know as we're calling things out I think. Um, yeah, I agree. There is place for that. And there, and, and that's, that's a discipleship thing. That is a, and also like, if we're really like, that's a relationship thing that if we're in relationship with people, then we can have the ability to say, Hey, like if that's our approach is relational, then mm-hmm. we can't say, Hey, the thing that you said, it actually hurt me. Mm-hmm. And, and if we're moving towards healthy relationship, and again, I know I am well aware of, like that's hard good healthy relationship to some maybe even some listening would be i don't know if that's possible mm-hmm. and i get that but as we work and do the hard work towards moving towards healthy relationship with people that we engage with in person and online that is something that i think is doable to take someone to the side and say hey i'm going to be very vulnerable here and say that the thing that you you shared whether that was you personally tweeting, posting on Facebook, or an article that you're posting as a catch-all, like, it's hurtful because of what this person has said before, what they have done, who they have been, and I just want you to know that, like, I'm probably not the only one that that's affecting, especially if your profile's public, because now you have no control over how that gets out. Somebody posted, was it... Was it Rob that posted? Y'all know everybody can see your tweets, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was like you—you you are aware that people can see what you're putting out there. Yeah. And and I also like I've been thinking about you know in Hebrews twelve it talks about a father disciplines his children. Yeah. Well, okay. a father, you know who a father doesn't discipline? Kids who aren't his children. Mm. Um, like. I don't go to the store and just start bossing around other people's kids. And um, Pastor Keith um, this week tweeted and was like, what are the, he tweeted a couple of questions, but one of them was like, what are the top three cringiest things pastors do on the internet? Mm-hmm. And it was like, um, someone replied basically like pastoring, pastoring me when you're not my pastor. Yeah. Like we, and and that's not just limited to pastors. Like um, sometimes when I get offended by somebody on the internet, like there, there's three results from that. One, this is a person that I'm in relationship with. Um, and I need to go and say, Hey, that hurt my feelings. Can we have a conversation about, or Hey, like, did you, can you explain this to me? Cause I don't think it doesn't even always have to be that hurt my feelings. It can be, I'm not sure I understood what you're saying. Can you explain this to me better? Um, because it's possible entering that conversation, not from the position of 
you were aggressor and I am victim, but as help me understand can get you further. The second way is that this is maybe not something that I am as in closer relationship with this person as, but the Lord has moved on my heart to say, this is a, this is a word that God is giving me to give to this person. And that is not every person on the internet. I am not everybody's mama, you know? Um, and, and there have been a couple of times that I have gone and said, you know, we've interacted some, I just really feel led to say this and you can take it or leave it because I understand we're not close, but this is what I have on my heart to say. And the third is to say, is this offense more about a brokenness in me than it is a brokenness in them? And in that case, I don't like, there are times, so I, I have currently have a broken pinky toe um, and I have been, um, and my daughter moves around very quickly. And so like, I am being very careful around her with my pinky toe. And she's looked at me and been like, mom, I'm not going to step on your foot, but I'm nervous that she's going to step on my foot, but I'm also walking around barefooted. You know, mm. I'm not protecting my toe. I'm not doing what I need to do to yeah. look. And it is possible that she might trip on my unprotected toe and it yeah. might cause me pain. And in that sec, in that second, like I could get really mad at her and be like, why would, why on earth would you accidentally trip, not meaning to, and hurt me? Yeah. How yeah. dare you be so clumsy? I could act like that. Or I yeah. could yeah. say, Actually, I probably should have something protecting my broken toe and lean into the let's keep my foot away from my very fast moving preteen, you know? So there are more more responses to internet flare-ups than just I must address because if I don't address it, people will think that I am wrong or bad or on the side of the bad people enabling it yep yes if i don't address it nobody will somebody friends somebody addresses it like we we don't all have to it's like when we're looking out the window in school growing up and it snows one snowflake and everybody screams snow and runs to the window and look which is a fun experience but um i always enjoyed that i was always yelling <laughs> <laughs> but it is disruptive and the teacher will tell you so there are other options than joining yeah. in the play yeah yeah absolutely and it is that other side of earlier i was talking about like trauma and like responding that like there's hurt there it's the other side of it that like i have to be honest with myself i'm speaking to me like i have to be honest with myself when some of those responses are out of Man, you tripped up and you you hit my toe. Like, thankfully, I have some protective covers, right? But mm-hmm. the truth is, is like sometimes those those are only enough, or something something hurt like is so weighty that it doesn't matter what kind of protection you have, like it's going to affect you. And I think we have to be okay with acknowledging that, like, hey, I also responded out of hurt and. Again, go, coming back around to confession, like, hey, like there, there is a good thing about individual confession. Hey, I, I did this thing that that I don't actually like 
I don't appreciate it myself. Like, it was not who I strive to be. Like, that is the way of Jesus to say, hey, there's this thing that, that like, in the core of me and, and how I responded in that moment was actually not responding out of who I want to be. And whether I let an emotional response, a traumatic response, whatever, I think there is at some level this, this hey, that, that's not who I want to be. Like, reconciliation is the way that I want to, like, move forward, right? If that's available. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've just got thoughts rambling now. Um, and I think part of it is because I'm always thinking about online. I'm always yeah. thinking about, you know, digital. Like, how do we meet people where we're at? How do I do that? And how do, what is it that I'm longing for as well? Um, I think in, in the midst of all of this, I'll be very vulnerable and say, like, one of the questions I've had on my mind and on my heart is, do I want online ministry to succeed because it's where I was ministered to? And, and what, I, what I mean by that is um, when I was a kid and I was introduced to Jesus in a way that I hadn't been before and I heard from the Spirit, hey, this is for you too. It was at a youth camp. I was saved at a youth camp. Right. And it was my youth pastors and other youth pastors who modeled who Jesus was to me that it clicked for me. And so I was in youth ministry for a long, long time. And, and I believe I was called there, but I also know that it was the impact of what I had seen youth ministers do. And so like, I, I just been wrestling with that. Like, do I want online ministries to succeed because I was personally ministered by it? And, and that's a real question I've had to ask myself. And I think uh, there is a little bit of, yes, I do. I do want to see it because I've seen it work. I want to see it thrive. I want to see it grow. And I don't want to see all these conversations that are being had. Um, I don't want to see us eat ourselves alive. I don't want to see the church and, and, and the people on the outskirts of digital ministry, of, of coming into community. I don't want them to look and see and go, man, it's no different. Yeah. It is no different. And it's not, it's not worth my time. And if Twitter is just uh, all of us with bullhorns yelling at each other, well, then I don't, I don't want to be there either. Yeah. You know? But but I will say, like, again, it's no surprise that I, I believe it works. I believe it's doable. I believe that there's a way forward. I just, I, I really do believe that there is some hard work ahead. Um, yeah. So one of the things, here's another effective thing that I've noticed people do. Um, is in situations where, um, and I, and I've tried to practice this, but I have, I, and I have seen other people do it and it is effective. It is when, when there are situations such as one person says, I don't understand people who wear blue shirts and blue shirts will never understand people who wear red shirts. These are just colors. These aren't political things. Um, I, I will never, I will never understand and they will never understand. And they are actually kind of less quality people and their experience is less valid. And 
because they have this limited understanding and their experience is less valid. And then they followed up with more invalidating comments and more doubling down and this, that, and the other. So this is the experience. And then everybody wants to say, well, let me tell you why red shirt people are good. And let me tell you why blue shirt people are also good. And everybody should be friends, but nobody can say this and nobody should do that. And you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. This reminds me of when I was, when I taught preschool. And so there would be inevitably every group of kids that would come in would include some, some um, rough and tumble fun friends who loved to play guns and you would um we had a no guns rule at preschool you don't get to shoot people at preschool um it's just it's bad stuff to so we don't do that um however if you i i told one friend one time i said listen i have told you no guns and he said um this isn't this isn't a gun. This is a, this is a, and then he changed the way his hand was. And he goes, this is a bow and arrow. And it was like, well, <sighs> so when you start eliminating, you, uh, you eliminate the guns, you eliminate the bows and arrows, you eliminate um, the grenades. They, they are just going to come up. This is a sword. They're going to come up with different weapons and different reasons, you know, different things to hurt people with. And you can take down argument after argument after argument about why the blue people are bad and the red people are good or the red people are bad and the blue people are good. And you can say, no, 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 no. But the most effective thing I found was when they pulled out their imaginary guns and started shooting each other with them, I would go over and be like, look at those bubbles coming out of that gun. Look at the your gun is shooting rainbows. I love your rainbow shooting gun. Look at it. Look at the, the, the glitter bomb. You just make glitter everywhere. And just, and they would just look at me like you have just ruined, you have ruined my gunfight. Yeah. I was here to explode things and you made it, I was here to, to kill my little buddy and instead you made it bubbles. What am I going to do with bubbles? And so instead of approaching these arguments and saying, let me evaluate all the negatives and tell you all the things you cannot do to, to change, the, change the situation into looking at it from a different perspective or change it up a little. And so people will say, okay, there's been a lot of conversation about different colors of shirts. Why don't you tell me what, what shirt you prefer? Why don't you tell me the positive thing about your shirt? Tell me what shirt you have on today and tell me what you love about it. Yeah. And it, it, it is a near conversation, but it is not, it's not attacking. It is inviting storytelling and inviting people to talk about what they value instead of what they, what they find invaluable in others. And so that is just something that I would encourage us to do is to, is to do less of the nose and the negative and more of the of the slight changes in perspective and the invitations to talk about what is valuable as opposed to what is invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so good. Oh. So good. I I had a uh a, a so I was at a conference a couple of months ago, maybe a month ago, and um 
I'm reminded of that that sermon, that main um, session, because it it just in my mind, and we may have talked about this on the show, but um, when Nathan confronts David, he he tells him a story, right? Hey, there's this guy, and he's he's done this, and like, what should be done about this man? He goes, he should be killed, right? Like he's like. He needs to like we need to take care of this. And he goes, David, you are that man. And he reframed this truth that was happening. And he didn't come straight to David and say, David, you're wrong. You know you're wrong. And you you need to deal with it. He's he caused David's heart to be moved by an injustice and said, David, this is you. This was you. And anyway, so I, 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 I was reminded of that sermon because um, he does an excellent job retelling the, the context around uh, the psalm. Uh, and I can't remember what psalm it is. I'm a bad pastor. Um, but, you know, Lord, this I seek that I would dwell in your house forever, that I would see your face and dwell in your house forever. And... He said, we like that verse, but we don't know the context. And he starts walking through the story of David, like getting so far from God and so far removed from the temple and so far down this path of his life being in jeopardy. And then he talks about how um, like David is reconciled to God, but he just... I don't know why I'm sharing that story. All I know is that it was a beautiful, it's probably one of the best sermons I've ever heard. And it had, it was all about just the fact that like we can be reconciled to God. And. Well, I think the reframing into a narrative. Yeah. And and sharing, I mean, and just saying like, listen to this story and the, and the power of a parable and the, um, and even just being willing to share your own story. Yeah. You know, the power of a story and inviting others to change from theory into story. Yes. You know, and and to to put flesh on the the concept. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, thanks for saving that point because I was rambling about one of my favorite sermons ever. I'm going to link it in the notes because honestly it was it was this this beautiful like here's the truth about David. Um okay, so reframing the narrative most people will will paint David as either like we we latch on to what scripture tells us that he's a man after God's own heart and we forget all the bad things he did or we pendulum swing to David was the worst person and we should never learn a thing from him and he was you know the spawn of Satan we should like do not platform David of the Bible um and what what this pastor did was said here's the reality of David's story the reality of David's story is he got far from God and he felt the the burning flame. He felt the heat of being far from God and feeling like he couldn't come back to God and God welcomed him back in. And that is the truth. The reframe of that story is that no matter how bad it looks, as David confessed and as he he acknowledged that's the other thing is he acknowledged the situation he was in and where he was and how unworthy he was to come before the Lord. And then God said, there, there it is. 
here we go. I can work with this, you know? And I think that that really is ultimately what I think uh, captured my heart um, and, and why I'm thinking about it as we're talking about online ministry is just that, like, um, I'll be honest, like, the, 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 the voice that, like, the, the thing that I hear so often about online ministry in my own head is, like, it, you're just wasting your time. You're just wasting your time. And I hear like the circles um, of people that I know and, and people that I see on, online and major articles. You're just wasting your time. And um, I don't know. I'm rambling. I'm going to cut this out. I don't. You're not rambling. You're good. You're good. You're good. It's, I, I think that it just, we have talked about in the past is it worth it? And yes, we, we talk about it. We watch what's going on. We hear what people are saying and we believe it's worth it. Is it possible? Yeah, we believe it is. And we yeah. believe it's worth the conversation and just, we believe it's worth, you know, if, if the church has a discipleship problem, if they have um, a problem with people saying like, here are practical ways to engage your faith in these scenarios, like yeah. this, this is as much a discipleship conversation as this is a processing conversation. Like here, like our hope and we're walking with you. Yeah. Like we are trying to reframe conversations. We are trying to turn down the mics on people who shouldn't be mic'd. We are trying to um, give people grace and the benefit of the doubt. Um, we are trying to address our own brokenness mm. and we're trying to do those things on social media and we believe just like we believe it is possible in in um life we believe it is possible i mean not in life we believe it is possible in person, in person. we believe it is possible online yeah. um, and but i think what we're we're hoping for at the end of this like at the end of the the movie if you haven't watched it yet you should go watch it the social dilemma where they talk about the algorithm and, and the, um, the way it divides us. At the end, the conclusion is that, sure, we can overcome it if all of us decide to overcome it. Yeah. And, um, and it will take self-control. And it's like, you hear that and you're like, well, shoot, because yeah. we don't have the self-control. But like church, if you have the spirit of God, the fruit of that spirit is self-control. Yeah. And we should be the people who, who take and say, I take it seriously. I take my faith seriously enough to not just make it about, um, about content, but about the community that I'm building online Yeah, that, that, mm. um, I might post a million good tweets that get likes but if i never engage and i never um i don't i don't walk with people through it and i don't um learn from others and help others learn then mm -hmm. it's not really ministry it's just content creation which i love creating content but i believe it is possible for online ministry to be effective i believe it is possible for the church to flourish online. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that the, the 
into this is we believe it's possible. Do you believe it's possible? Will you do that? Yeah. Sarah, as you were just sharing there, um, just about that idea of like, we, we will overcome together, right? We can overcome the algorithm and, and immediately. um, So there's a a song by the desperation band called overcome and, and the, you know, the reference scripture that we will overcome by the, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And uh, I love that song. Like I really do. And then I listened to uh, their, their front man talk about why that song was written how it came about and it was actually a spontaneous song at a worship night um and and this is a a sensitive topic so i'll just give you a forewarning um but he he talks about how someone came in and and started shooting up in one of their churches like shooting people in, in one of their church their church sessions services how it devastated them and it devastated that community. And they held a worship night. And if I can recall correctly, like a lot of the town showed up, not even people just in the church, but out of the church as well. It devastated that, that community. And they sang this song out like spontaneously, like we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That in the midst of really hard things, in the midst of this incredible hurt, in the midst of incredible pain, in the midst of this incredibly dark thing, there is yet hope. And it's found in Jesus, and it's found in sharing the work that he has done in our lives. Yes, and so there's so much to be said there, but yes, Online ministry is hard. Yes, online ministry at times seems impossible. Yes, digital discipleship at times seems more than impossible. <laughs> but if if it's going to be done, it's going to be done in the power of the Spirit of God and in sharing those moments that he has done incredible things. And uh, I think that's what it comes down to for me, that I, I, I want to keep sharing what he's done in, in my life and and how I see, um, I want to see I want to see the church thrive. I want to see people come to know the hope that it is that we claim to have. And if my my own usage of social media is getting in the way, then it has to go. Like, I have to change the way that I use it. It's not that it has to go because that doesn't change anything. I have to to change the way I use it. And I, and, and I think that is where my heart is as I think about discipleship, as I think about online ministry, and as I think about the way that we will see this continue to grow. It's not out of, as you're saying, not out of content creation, whatever. There's enough content out there. But it's out of, like, what are we doing in order to, like, invite and share this is who God is and and this is the life that he calls us into and we can engage with one another in a way that is life-giving and, and not um, weighty to tear down people, to to keep them down or to cause harm, so... 
Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's got to go, but not like go, like be done. God didn't yeah. come to bring um, dark and neutral. He, in death mm. and neutral. He came to bring dark to light and death to life. Yes. So we are not called to be neutral. We are called to be light bearers and life givers. So be the light. Bring the life. You know? So Yeah. I'm having a moment right now. <laughs> um I think because yeah, like I think I was processing a lot in this whole conversation and I just kept feeling like, man, I don't know what the heck I'm even saying. I don't, it's either the coffee or what, but I, I think back to um, that story I shared with you, Sarah, and um, I don't know if I shared on this this podcast, but like if God's not in it, then I don't want to be here. And um, the scary part of that is that like I I think I've seen God here, and if He's not here, then what are we doing? You know, and I think that's that's the reality that I carry in in my own heart and my mind is like if God's not here, then what are we doing here? And um, I think I say that and share that for for those who might be listening, uh, for those who might question whether online ministry is real or effective. It is. And it's not out of an emptiness or out of a vain attempt to, to see the church impact spaces that aren't worth, that God doesn't see. Like, I, I think that's one of the critiques I hear is that, like, God doesn't want to be there. So why are you there? And um, yeah. Uh, mm. I think I got to go process that one a little bit of like, God is here. And and, and I I personally don't think I'm wasting my time. And I, I, I want people to know. I think that's, that's, I want people to know that like, that question is being asked by so many people right now. Uh, this work is worth it. We've answered that. It's worth it. Uh, the people involved know that there's hard work ahead. I think there's so many people who uh, who are just saying, Lord, I see where you're working and I see your spirit moving. I just want to be with you. And it is dark and it is hard. And it is this place that like feels like every day is something new to say. And maybe it's not worth my time. God, is this really where you're sending? And I, I say this personally and honestly, like, is this really where you're sending me? Because if it is, you have to make the way. And uh, I think that's what exploring this, this whole season of exploring social media ministry is not just to say that, is it a thing? But rather, as you and I have had several conversations, no, it's a thing and God's moving and we just want to continue to see him move. And to share and to say that 
He is doing good work. And he is bringing light into dark spaces. And then we just want to turn down the noise of like, it's not worth it or it isn't where God wants to be because he's working. It is possible because it's already happening. Yeah. Well, Hector, you got anything else on your heart? Mm. Yeah. Hey, if you've been listening, um, if you've been supporting the show, if you have engaged in any way online with someone, anyone, (laughs) if you've been the hands and feet of Jesus online, just keep going. Um, This work is is not in vain. Um, I counted a a treasure that we get to have conversations with so many people who are seeing work. People in the shadows, people in dark corners hiding who just need hope. People whose communities have failed them and they're finding people that they can hold on to, walk with them. If you're listening and you found us and you're wondering whether this is real, I want to tell you that it is. And if you're skeptical about online ministry, digital discipleship, the church online, just go back and listen to some of those stories. And uh, I think, I think that uh, if we as the church would dream, I just ask God uh, how far He's willing to go. That we would be a lot. Uh, it's not just digital church. We'd be a lot more interested in in all places of running running into spaces that the world and even the, the, the voices in the church we just say there is fruit here and there's work to be done so Lord lead us yeah we'll see you next week Thanks for listening to the Pocket Pulpit. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what what parts of this show will make air, but. It's all of it. Thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, I got nothing else. I really appreciate you, Hector. Yeah, I appreciate you, Sarah. I'm going to hit stop really quick.